Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. I am so excited to be doing this. It's a new chance for us to connect with you and share content with you. Uh, I cannot wait to get through these episodes. We've got so many exciting things to talk about and I am very, very excited. Now for this very first episode, I am joined by Jack Zahalak. Thanks for joining me, buddy. Thanks, Reese. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's um, now Jack, for those of you who don't know, is... Um, a great mate of mine. We grew up fishing together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Grew up uh, fishing together. It's Learned a lot good. of things um, together. And it's, yeah, it's been excellent. Yeah, so Jack's been a part of the social fishing team from the start. You've helped build the content. You've written articles. Um, you probably don't see him as much anymore because you have taken a little bit of a backseat. But you're still super keen on your fishing. You still love it. Yeah, so recently I have moved away a bit, so I'm a bit out of the loop, but I'm still, yeah, very, very in love with fishing and I, I really like to get out there and uh, cast spinnerbaits and do that sort of thing. So I like to connect to a big Murray Cod every now and then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, the reason I've got Jack on for this very first episode is one, we grew up fishing together and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, you know, how fishing started for us um, and why we started social fishing and we want to talk about how we do things so that people you listening have an idea of how fishing started for us because we grew up together. We fished every weekend together. So I couldn't think of anyone else who I'd want here for the very first episode to talk about social fishing and how fishing started for us. Um, Now, before we do, I just want to talk about this podcast because the actual reason we're doing this podcast is all because of you. You come up with the idea because now you're living in the city and you listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah, so I moved to Melbourne uh, maybe two years ago now and it's a pretty big commute to work and to make that commute go quicker, I've just listened to, to podcasts. So I listen up to four hours of podcasts a day some days. Uh, it's a big trip in and then back home again. And I, I really like the um, just the ease of access um, that podcasts allow to all all different topics. So, yeah. you, you know, you're on a train or you're driving, you can just put on a topic you want to learn about and you can sit there and just zone out and learn about whatever you want. And that led me to think about um, fishing podcasts. I really wanted to, something to listen to that would... Um, uh, provide fill, value. Yeah, provide value and fill the need to be connected with fishing Yeah, again. right. Because you're not fishing as much, you thought podcasts would be great. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really have the time to, you know, watch videos and read articles as much as I'd like to. Um, they're really great. But I think um, for those who don't have the time to do all that, you can use the time um, that you have. Um, to listen. To listen, yeah. So you pretty much got, you can listen whenever you want at the gym, going for a run, you know, and it's always good to be learning things. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of um, complements, you know, you've got written stuff for people who prefer yeah. to read, you've got videos for people who want like the full experience and this kind of complements it with the audio. Yeah, definitely. It sort of rounds out the whole the whole trifecta there. Yeah. Know? And so what happened is you called me and you said, oh, I've got this really good idea. We should do a social fishing podcast. Yeah, I thought the social fishing podcast would be um, a great avenue to reach um, more people and educate people that don't have that time or or want a different avenue to, to learn through. And mm. I think that the podcast would be a really 
great way to keep people up to date with what's going on, what we're up to, and, and to teach them a few things. Yeah, and I reckon we will. I yeah, we'll definitely. I've seen what you've got in store for the podcast, and I think uh, people are going to learn a lot through it. Yeah, I am very excited. We're going to be doing... So just because it is the very first one, we're going to be doing interviews with top mm-hmm. anglers, and we're also going to do a more regular show with... Uh, I'm going to have co-hosts. Like, you'll be on a few times. I'll definitely have Chris quite a lot, and he's coming up in the next episode, and Talis Cottrell, both those two, love talking about fishing, and yeah. we're going to be doing a lot of shows together and sharing lots of content, and it'll grow. It might change over the time, uh, you know, as time goes on, it'll change and it'll adapt. And w- while we're at the start of this episode, and it is the very first one, I just want to let you know, uh, please send us through comments uh, on the podcast apps review. Uh, give us thumbs up, like the podcast, however, comments, and just let us know what you want to hear uh, and if you're really enjoying the podcast. So now I want to get into talking about how fishing started for us because we create a lot of content, we film stuff, we write articles, but many of you out there might not know how fishing started and our background and history. And Jack, you and I grew up from, I don't know how big, we were really, really, really small because we were next door neighbours and we didn't fish to start with. And then all of a sudden we fell upon fishing. What age were we at? Maybe 10, 11-ish. Yeah, I reckon, because I'm a year younger, two years. Yeah, a year year younger younger than than I am. So, yeah, I reckon it might have been nine or 10. Yeah. When Um, we fished, like any kid, like with your parents. The random trip. It wasn't like, I want to go fishing, can we go fishing? Yeah. So, how did it all start? Well, I think it all started um, where we went to a a little fishing competition together here in Wagga at the Willandry Lagoon. It was a carp uh, catching competition. And we went to that and... We just had so much fun uh, catching carp and we met a guy there who said, um, look, go to Lake Albert and give that a go. It's, if you love catching carp, try there. Because he was a fly fisher. Yes, that's right. And what did he tell you? He told you. He, he said, go stand on the, the Lake Albert apex boat ramp and just cast out from the boat ramp. Yeah. Um, and there will be carp sitting out there ready for you to, to catch. And I think it was probably the very next weekend. We, um, you we went, went down on your own, I think. Oh, yeah, I think I might have went down on my own um, down to the lake because I live pretty close, probably uh, 200 metres from the lake. And um, I went down, went to the boat ramp, and, yeah, sure enough, within a, in a half an hour, an hour, we are onto, onto some carp. I think you got two. I think you got one nice-sized one and a smaller one. Yeah. And I think you were on your bikes with your brother and you rode them home. That's right, yeah. For the garden, for fertiliser. <laughs> That's right. We were pretty um, impressed with ourselves. We didn't know what to do. We knew how to kill the carp, but... Um, yeah, we, we, we rode the bike one-handed on the way home, carrying the carp in the other hand. We got home and showed them to mum and dad, and they said, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, um, yeah, bury them under a tree to, to, to fertilise them. That's funny. That's funny. And then you, I remember you called me, you told me about it, and I thought, yeah, that sounds like fun. And then the next weekend, we went out and we caught them, and it just went from there. Yeah, it went from there. Every, every weekend turned into going to Lake Albert, and then if you, if you're one of the, if you couldn't make it a weekend, you were like, the worst enemy of the other yeah. person because no one wanted to go by himself so it was pretty much every weekend saturdays and sundays yep. some, some weekends we'll be down there and it was all the warmer months so it was spring summer autumn we did it mm. and then the cooler months we played sport but yeah. it was all summer it was just flat out for i reckon four or five years yeah four or five years we must have spent down there yeah just that's where we really honed our skills yep. in actually fighting fish i think that was a really important uh, lesson actually at the lake with carp because people might say you know they're they're a rubbish fish to catch yeah. but they're actually a really good sport fish 
we'll, most of the time we were using five pound line to catch these these fellas. And it just really taught you how to how to handle a fish and how to how to actually fight a fish. Yeah, because they were like five kilo fish and on five oh, pound. Yeah, these carp weren't small. Some of them were up around the 75, 80. Centimetres. Yeah. They were yeah. good fish. And that, I really like what you touched on there is because we spent four or five years there because that's the only style of fishing we, we could do. Parents yeah. wouldn't let, let us go to the river. It wasn't safe. Mm. So they'd drop us off. We'd fish at the lake. We'd line the bank with, rod, with <laughs> rods and we'd cast out and we'd read. I remember just my whole life was reading books, yeah. writing down our catches, trying different things. We used different rigs. We used different baits. We, we learned how to set hooks. We learned how to strike, fight. And I reckon because of carp, I reckon if it wasn't, it's sad to say it because we hate <laughs> carp and it'd be great if they weren't here. But if it weren't for carp, we probably wouldn't be doing what we do. Social fishing probably would never have started. Then again, if the carp weren't here, they probably would be caught instead because yeah. there's so many more caught out there. But any, anyway, carp really started us for, for us, didn't it? And I really like the key thing you said about fighting a fish because that is a massive lesson as you grow older, being able to handle them, understand your rod and reel mm. and fighting. I remember we had a, people probably won't believe it, but Sportsman's Warehouse <laughs> used to sell fishing gear. They, they didn't and then they went into it because they thought, oh, yeah. this is a thing we might get into. I don't think it was real successful, but we bought, I think it was like a $40 combo, came mm. with an almanac book, yeah. rod and reel, line, random tackle box, and we pushed that plastic <laughs> reel to its absolute limits. Oh, yeah, geez, we put that thing to the test and um, ended up being pretty good value for us. Yeah, yeah. because we, we use this gear that, you know, wasn't real forgiving and we had to, you know, we had to be careful with letting fish run and that and it really taught us how to fight a fish. So yeah. that's a really key lesson. Um, so that's where it all started. We learnt lots there. Um, our favourite rig was Padnoster rig. Yeah, so that was another thing. It, it taught us to uh, tie knots, so different knots. The Padnoster rig was one that we uh, really utilised because we put multiple hooks on the on the one line and and the purpose for that was because sometimes they'd take your bait on one yeah and if the, you didn't hook up chances are you're going to get them in the next 30 and seconds. there was even the, the odd occasion where you get a double hook up where you have <laughs> um, a carp on each hook yeah it really shouldn't come in on five pound they should be able to swim opposite directions and snap but we landed two carp at once a lot of the times yeah yeah it happened quite a bit it was a shame because it was only a couple of years after for those of you who know lake albert in Wagga, it was a couple of years after it kind of dried up and all the cod disappeared because we if we were a little bit earlier yeah. we might have caught a heap of cod but we were kind of in that time that drought period so towards the end of when we fished there it was actually the lake was nearly empty yeah when we started going there it, would, it started up a little bit high and then over those years it just got less and less we got no rain and all the cod in there if there was any left they, were yeah just perished yeah they all died and the carp were great fun to catch um and we got them on bread and bread and corn usually yeah bread and corn was the the go-to bait yeah and that always did the trick so that's how fishing started for us we grew and then we wanted to have a bit more of a challenge we wanted to fish the river so yes, what did we do the river was always our goal um the way I think, I just want to mention one thing here while we're still on the topic of Lake Albert yep. is um, we, we fished with bait there, but we really wanted to try out lures. We wanted to use lures and everyone said, look, you're not going to catch carp on lures. If you want to use, use lures, you've got to go to the river. And um, we, we didn't have a car or we weren't allowed to go to the river. So we decided we would just throw lures in Lake Albert. And of all the lures to choose, I think we chose um, surface lures. We started throwing surface lures there, uh, aiming at the carp that was sucking on the top. And 
I think that's what sort of gave us a little bit of um, more drive and passion to pursue lure yeah. fishing because we actually, we think we nailed maybe three or four carp off, yeah. off the surface um, over a couple of trips there. Yeah, because they'd all suck on the surface, eh? Yeah. Like in yeah. big schools. And you'd wind the surface lure through. I reckon there was one that you got that actually ate it. Yeah. I reckon yeah. there's one that I caught where it just sort of Spot. sat it there and sucked it in and I just struck. Yeah. But you're right. That's that's where it started. And then you threw... Oh, this little Kmart lure. It I think was a, was it a sprog. sprog. Kokoda sprog. I think it was about a 45 mil lure. Tiny little thing. Um, I just I really wanted to use lures to catch fish. And um, one windy day I went down to the lake um, and I tied on a stump jumper to begin with. Because I just wanted to get the feel of using a lure and just a nondescript bank just casting out. and um, Most banks in Lake Elmer are yeah. nondescript. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's like a flooded puddle. Yeah, it's pretty much just it's a uh, puddle. There's, there's no structure. There's, there's no anything really to cast that. So I was just down there, little egg beater reel, uh, casting some stump jumpers. And I thought I'd try out this little lure I just purchased from Kmart. And um, so yeah, I, did, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what a hit felt like. I just felt something hit my line. Yeah, on, on this little tiny Kmart lure, and it was my very first cod I ever caught on a on a lure out of Lake Albert. And I never even imagined that that'd be my first cod. You it's know, tiny, wasn't it? But it was a massive achievement. Yeah, it was a massive achievement. It um, was the first Murray cod. We didn't think there'd be any cod left in there, but obviously, yep. uh, some survived, and that really uh, pushed us to pursue lure fishing. And that's right to, to go actually dedicate some trips um, and convince our parents to let us go to the river and try it out down there. It's amazing how it all starts, hey? How it all grows and then it's your own inquisitiveness that you want to you want to use those and you want to upgrade the species and, and try new mm. Because you read about, in the magazines, you yeah. read about giant cod and we just wanted to catch little, like, just cod. Yeah, just a cod, just a sea of cod, we were going to be amazed. So during those four years, I reckon we did do river trips with the families occasionally. There yeah. was a couple of reserves in Wagga. I remember the old man caught a, a river blackfish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was a couple of cods starting to get, we caught a couple here and there. Yeah. Um, Berenbed Weir, I think. Um, oh, I think we actually took some days off school there <laughs> um, towards the end of the year. And um, your dad took us down there to um, the canal. Yep. And I think we landed some cod there. Yeah. So that was our, that was because we were banked base then and it was quite a good spot to catch fish on the banks where the Bundidru Canal come out of Berenbed Weir and you got the rocks and fast mm. water and there'd be a lot of natives sitting in those rocks. Yeah. That's right. I remember the trip you're talking about, it rained. Yeah, it poured all day. It rained and we were bait fishing. That was way back. Yeah. And we caught a nice little trout cod. You got a couple of Murrays, nice. And we were thought they were massive and yeah. they were probably 50 centimetres. Yeah. And we're like struggling to hold them because we're only kids. Yeah. <laughs> and a little yellow, I think. Um, that was, yeah, that's yeah. where it went. And then from there, we'll sort of fast forward a little bit, but not really. Then we sort of, we wanted to get into lure fishing and wanted to go out on our own. You got your licence and you got a tinny. Yes, that's right. I got my uh, red peas when I turned 17 and one of the first things I did was go and buy a, a small um, tinny. Uh, yep. I think it was about three and a half metre. Yeah. Had a little uh, five horsepower Johnson motor on the back. That was a bit of a pain the next some days to start. That's right. But that's, that's what really um, kicked things off into us going to the river and yep. um, actually using lures and targeting natives. Because it was a car topper, so we yeah. threw it on the roof. So every time we went out, and we went every weekend. Yeah, oh, every weekend. We'd yeah. pull it off the roof, put that, I still remember it, and put that motor on the back, 
sit there for half an hour while you start it yeah. and you'd struggle like and it was always you had to stay it was your motor and yeah. it was always a struggle there's a couple of trips there where we where we really struggled but most of the time it would go all right and then we'd go to the um boat down or up we used to go to carawana a lot yeah carawana was the go-to go downstream top snag and cast yeah tying up to snag that seems like such a foreign concept now um yeah, I don't know if you do that anymore because <laughs> no. an electric motor is just so efficient um, at getting into all the little nooks and crannies you want to cast at. Thinking about tying up and having, you know, only being able to hit one spot in a log is a bit a bit foreign to think of. But yeah, but that's what we had to do. That's, we, all we yeah. had was a tinny. Electric motors were around, but we couldn't afford them. Yeah. It cost more than your boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the boat cost a couple hundred bucks and yeah, there's no way I could afford an electric back then. So we, that's how we grew. We cast spinnerbaits on the Murrumbidgee River. Uh, we tied up in the best looking spots that gives us an opportunity to cast at things. We do that and we did that for years and years and years. And we were happy to catch a fish each mm. for a whole session. Mm -hmm. And there was one trip in particular, I reckon we're probably 16, uh, we're fishing uh, down at Carawana and we tied up and for half a day we caught, or three quarters, I think it might have been a whole day because we usually went for a whole day. We got eight fish. Yeah, the eight day. We caught it the eight day because it was unheard of. Yeah. Four was as many as we'd catch and then we caught eight and that was tying up and mm. just casting into the pockets behind logs, basically the same things we do now, casting our spinnerbaits in tight against the bank. Then there was the point where we upgraded to the electric motor and we had the, the bigger boat. So my old man had a 420 Explorer. It's the same boat I use now. Mm. Uh, I bought it off him. But we he finally allowed us to use it. I don't know what age <laughs> we were, 17 uh, or something. Yeah, I still remember the first time I uh, rolled up at your, your parents' house to hook up to the boat. And? Um, he'd, yeah, he'd finally um, trusted it enough to take it out and I'm driving out the, the, the driveway and <laughs> going out the driveway, there's two pillars with some gates um, on the pillars. So they were open and I'm turning out of the driveway and we hear this almighty bang and I think, oh no, what have I done? And I'd um, turned a little bit too sharply and taken out one of, one of your dad's gates on his, <laughs> on his driveway oh, there. And I funny. thought, oh no, he's, they're never going to trust us again to take the boat. What out. hit it? Was it the mud guard? Or yeah, the, the mud guard on the side of the boat. Massive mark on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The gates didn't survive. No, the gates got taken off after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, um, that, so yeah, he finally trusted us to take it. Um, and actually, the reason he only trusted it is because we put a third wheel set up on it because he wasn't That's keen right. on us getting close to the water with it. So a couple of times we'd just roll the boat in, but it was actually quite easy to launch with four-wheel drive. It was pretty yeah. straightforward. But then we had that boat for a while and we tied up for ages yeah, with that. We did. And then we got the electric motor for it and instantly our fish count doubled. Yeah, yeah, it was um, amazing to to see just how effective an electric motor is to get you into any position you, you can. Yeah. The, the, um, the amount of fish we were uh, riding down our almanacs, yeah, doubled. Yeah, easy, because people go now, is it worth it? And I tell them, when, like, say, people message me or email me, first thing I say is, it'll double your catch. Mm. If you catch four fish, you're going to catch eight. Easy, probably more so now. Like, yeah, nowadays, yeah. With the, especially in empowerment. Like, yeah, oh, empowerment. <laughs> you couldn't do it. Nah. But no. lure fishing, we went from catching, like that one day we caught eight, but most of the time we catch three or four, yeah. 10 fish a day in the summer months. Easy, more, yeah. way more. We'd yeah. catch heaps. So if you're sort of just getting into your fishing, just, and you're not sure about the investment of an electric motor, just get an electric motor. Yeah. It costs a bit with that and the battery, but it's the best investment you'll yeah. ever make. Yeah, Reese, um, he talked me into it because 
yeah, I thought it was fine tying up. You know, we were catching fish. That was yeah. good, you know. But um, Reese was the one that actually took the plunge. He went and bought the uh, an electric motor. We went halves in it. Oh, that's right. We that's why I had to convince you. That's right. Because we didn't that's have right. any money. Yeah, we didn't have any money to buy it. So we actually went halves in it. I forgot about that. Yeah. But we went halves in it. And um, yeah, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back. No. Definitely the best investment um, with the boat and that electric motor was... 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's it. That's everything you need. You that's, just need a spinnerbait and a baitcaster rod. You know, we didn't have the most expensive setups. I eventually no. ended up buying a dial HRF, which was an expensive reel. And geez, it was good. Um, I know you had the Fluger yeah. for a while. Yeah, Ech- Echelon. Yeah, Fluger Echelon, yeah. And it did the trick. That's all you needed as, as kids growing up, learning how to fish. And obviously, as you get more knowledgeable and you learn more and you know that the gear will help, in time because instead of buying crappy gear you, you get good gear but to start with that's all you need yeah to start off with you, you don't really know what you're missing out from the better gear yeah. so to start off with you get a feel with this um this lower quality gear which still works just as good but um once you get to know more and you actually uh learn how to catch fish you can move up the line and get something better and you realize just how good it is yeah and the the, the important part I want to say about is if you're going to invest money somewhere, it's in getting just some kind of watercraft, a boat, mm. and then the electric motor. Yeah. Like, do that before buying rods and reels and extra oh, lures definitely. and that. Like, you need an electric motor. Mm-hmm. With a deep cycle battery, we run a 120-amp uh, battery, deep cycle marine. Um, the AGM glass mat ones are better, uh, more expensive, but any deep cycle battery, and then you just run it to the electric on the 4 meter, 4.2 meter boat. Uh, we've just got the 55 pound yeah. electric motor. Yeah, it goes pretty good. Yeah. And I drive mine with a foot pedal. And if you notice, if you watch any of our videos, uh, I do mine with a foot pedal control, which is like total opposite to what most people do because I just prefer to have my hands free to be able to fish the whole time with your hands so you can feel everything, wind your lures back. Um, whereas other people much prefer to just use a remote. Totally up to you. Now, then from there, we spent ages on the Bidgee. We did so much on the Bidgee. Uh, the Murray Bidgee River around Wagga, catching a Murray cod over the metre on a lure is a difficult task. Oh. We tried for years. We're st- I'm still going to get there. I'm going- I know up around Canberra, there's a lot more bigger cod. Even if you go out west towards Hay, if we lived there and fished at Hay or more all the time, you'd probably get one. Uh, but that middle section, pressure-wise, but... The great thing about that middle section is there's heaps of small fish, eh? Mm, yeah. We would never do a fishless or Fishless days were very, very rare. Middle of winter, dirty, maybe. So middle of winter was tough. It'd be cold days, um, long days without a bite. But the fish that we did catch in winter, they were the best cod we'd caught to that date. I think yep. it was that trip at Karawana where we got... Uh, 71. Yep, and a 69. And a 69, yeah. And another trouty. Yeah, and a trouty. And that was back when we'd never caught it. That was, they were big fish. They were big fish. They if were, you see PBs the photos of us holding them, they yeah. look like 90, nearly a meter, like because we're kids. Yeah. Or only 17, 15 holding these cracking cod. Yeah. Um, but you're right, the, the, the quality of the fish, there's a lot of good quality fish in the Bidgee, and there's heaps of fish between 50 and 70. Absolute heaps through between Narendra and Wagga. Those big ones are there, but they're just... Very elusive. <laughs> yes. So, you know, as we grew, we've caught fish, and then we got to the point where we're like, we need to try and learn more. And I think it was about that 17, 18 mark, we started traveling, fishing mm. the impoundments, trying new things, doing new things, and then it went from there. And it was about that age, 18, 17, where I come up with the idea um, for starting something, which now is social fishing. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But with the uh, with the 
remember, I just want to talk about one of our first trips to Blaring. Not first, but one of our proper trips to really nut out and have a crack at Blaring. Because mm. we're like, righto, we've done some stuff in the in the rivers. We've done a lot in the rivers. We used to camp there all the time, fish there all the time. Wanted to expand our knowledge. And that's what we do. You fish one style, get to know it really well, and then move to the next style. Then dams were just like a... Yeah, they were a unknown. whole new world, like, yeah. This is, this is... Where do you start? What yeah. do you do? Especially Blaring. The river used to that much timber. Blaring's got no timber. Yeah. And now we don't care because we know where they are now. But back yeah. at the start, you're like, where do we go? And the thing for us, and this is, we'll talk about this in a minute, is what led to social fishing is that we didn't really have anywhere to go to find information yeah. um, or, or in, any info to teach us what to do. Um, so we sort of looked up blaring and back then there was not information out there to, no, to right. show us what to do, you know. So we had to make up our our own and figure everything out ourselves. That's right. That's right. You learn a little bit from people. Like, yeah, yeah. Like one thing I'll mention is we went with Jamin Forbes. He was a guide, riverine sport fishing back in mm. the day. Great investment. He really taught us how to cast spinnerbaits. But we knew how to do it, but he showed us a little bit about what to do, but gave us confidence in what we did. Because confidence is key. Yeah, confidence was key. But with guide, like a guiding, it'd be great. Um, but the reason we started, like social fishing, is more to reach so, as many people as we can and still give you that content, that guiding through videos and articles mm. and things like that. Because knowing what to do and someone going, yeah, this is exactly what you do, keep doing it, and you have that confidence, Yeah. then you're happy to do it. Yeah. And then you catch the fish and then you're sweet as. It's when you don't know what to do, like visiting the dam for the first yeah. time, which is, yeah, we, we didn't know what to do. But the, that there was one trip in particular. It's 2012, December. We went up and we wanted to give it a night fish. Yeah. <laughs> solid, a solid crack at night fishing. Uh, we'd never... Have we done night fish? No. We had never night fish, no. No. We really wanted night... I was 18, I reckon. So now we're getting to that point where we're expanding. Uh, we're travelling. We fished eel and a few other things. But we fished blaring and we wanted to troll. And I know you were keener than I was. And we headed out. We found a nice rocky... But actually, it was choppy. It was windy. Yeah. The lights in the boat went. Yeah, that's right. We had no lights. Sound had died. The electrics went in the yep. boat. We were out on the water. And we were on a nice, big, long, rocky bank. Yeah. And... We just trolled for the night. Yeah, we just found a good rocky bank. Uh, we didn't know any better and we thought, let's just troll this bank as many times as we can up and down. And we used the rules of the river, sort of. We fished shallow. Yeah, shallow. Four yeah. metres, I reckon. Yep. Uh, but it was more because the bank was pretty straight and we just wanted to stay close enough that we could see it and just guess that we were in the right depth the whole way because we had no sounder. Yeah. Just wanted to, we just sort of made sure our lures were hitting the bottom. We reeled it up a bit to keep them off the bottom and we kept in that depth. Yeah, and it was about four metres and no joke, I was scared out there for the first time ever. I'd been on blaring in the dark with wind. Wind and chop. Yeah, the electric motor would pop out and then back oh, in. Oh, it yeah. was bad. And I was actually scared. Now it doesn't phase me. Nah. But nah. originally, and then what we did was we trolled. So we trolled back and forth and back and forth. I reckon about 11.30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this... <laughs> tell, tell. Well, we've been trolling up and down, up and down, and um, we hadn't had a touch. We, we didn't know what to expect. And I was trolling, a, I think, a, a 90 mil? AC. No, 90 mil AC. 24 foot bib. 24 foot bib. And all of a sudden, I just got the biggest fright of my life. My, my rod slammed down. I'd, I'd got a bite, you know, as they'd say. I got a bite and I was all excited and that was it. That was, that was the bite and I was oh, I've missed him. It was and a good hit, it, eh? It was a very good hit. I got absolutely slammed, um, rod almost out of my, my hand. And 
we thought, okay, he's still there. So I think we turned the boat around. We kept going. We, we, kept, we kept going. We went to the end. We went to the end. Turned around. We marked the spot. There was a little um, bit of plastic or something on the bank. Yep. Um, we think we called it the R2-D2. It sort of... Looked funny. Yeah, it's a funny looking bit of plastic. We thought, okay, he's out from this bit of plastic here. Yep. We'll be ready next time we come around. So we ended the run. We came back. And this time, Reese is on that side. Well, it's the outside. <laughs> so you were on the outside yeah. originally. So because we turned around, I was on the outside. Yeah, so now Reese is on the outside. But who knows? You know, this, this, this rocky bank, there's fish all over it. Uh, they, they probably move around. And this time, we passed a little R2-D2 piece of plastic. And this time, Reese's rod gets slammed, and it and it connects. It's connected. <laughs> it and was. I've never felt anything like it. The rush of adrenaline. I've not. I've not yet had a rush of adrenaline like that. It actually afterwards made me feel sick. Yeah. But the massive your first giant hit. We hooked up. We're on to yeah. a blaring cod. Felt massive, and it's still to this date the hardest fight I've had from one of those fish. And we won, and it was coming up, and I had a, oh, what was the real? It was a, it was a gold Fluga Dimension thing. It was yeah. like not that, and I had a Shimano Ballistics rod, and I'm fighting this thing, and it was big, and it's coming up, and we're freaking out. We've got this old crappy net. Oh, it's terrible, an, it was man. an environmental net, but it was small, like those green ones that had the button presses on them. Yeah, the um, what a silly idea. Yeah, and then we fought this fish, and we finally saw it. It was a monster. Yeah, I just remember shaking and we'd, we had barely seen a fish half the size of this till then. You it know? was huge and we couldn't, and it went back to the bottom yeah. and it was up and down like fighting. And I'm sh- we were I'm shaking, shaking and the adrenaline and, was pumping. And then the- we're like, how are we going to land this thing? Because our net like, yeah. is tiny. And I don't know why, we should have lost it what we did. But like we, in the end, we put its net, its head in the net. And then lifted it from so, the belly. So it had no light on its eyes and then put our arms. So it sort of calmed down luckily and you put your two arms under its head sort of area and I went under it. So there was four, like four arms lifted it in and this lady on my lap was a metre 20. Yeah, a metre 20 for oh. your first cut out of bland. Wow, it was a big fish. Just incredible feeling and it's still, I'll never have that feeling. It won't get that feeling again. The nah. first giant fish you come in contact with was just yeah, it's it's an amazing experience, and yeah, I still think about how we were shaken to to this day. How just the amount of adrenaline we felt, and how excited we were just yeah. to just to see a fish that big was just so amazing. And it's the stuff you dream of. Yeah, we we'll, yeah. you read about it in the magazines. Yeah. You're like, wow. And every trip, you know, oh, this is going to be the trip, you know. And it just never happened. And it comes at the you know the least expecting time. We we didn't really know what we were doing. We just thought this is what we do in the river. We'll, Stick to it. Stick to what we know sort of thing. Yeah. And apply it to this new new water. And, and it was caught on a 90 mil AC in colour 74, Forbes special 24 foot bib. Yep. Upgraded 2.0 owner trebles. Yeah. Um, Luckily. ST, I think they're BS 36, uh, 41s. 41s. And he was pinned right in the nose. Yep. On the outside of the head. So he probably wasn't real keen. That's probably why you missed him. If yeah. It was the same, if it was the same fish. Yeah, if it was the same We didn't fish. get a hit for seven other runs that whole night so yeah good chance it was sorry buddy <laughs> no it was worth it It was definitely worth it, it was a great capture and um yeah probably one of the most special fish we've ever caught oh yeah very very cool so that's a little bit how fishing grew for us and then it just went after that but yeah that now, really kicked it off yeah fish. now what i want to talk about is how social fishing started and the idea for something was in my head when i was 16 17 mm. so there was something there and it 
I think it started from when I was even younger, me not knowing it, but even when I was younger, me watching TV shows and getting super frustrated when they didn't show you what they were doing. So every TV show would show you catch and fish, catch and fish, catch and fish, and be like, how did you do it? I want to know how to do it because I want to go do that. Like, it's great to see it, but I wanted to know how. And I thought, if I ever have a TV show one day, you know, as every kid goes, I want to do that, I'm going to show people how to do it. And then it was about 17 or 18. Now, this is a story. I don't know if I've told you this before. I was at BCF. I worked at BCF after school uh, for about three or four years, um, you know, on a Thursday after sport and whatever. And I was with Mitch Carter, good mate, and he worked there with me. And we were walking around and we'd... Both said, oh, let's come up with an idea for something we'll do later in life. Come up with an idea for something. And Mitch was coming up with all these random ideas, I can't even remember. And I said, you know what I want to do? I want to teach people how to catch fish. I want to help people catch fish. There's got to be a way I can help people catch fish. I want to have like that TV show. But obviously, I was 17, I couldn't have a TV show. I thought, what's the next best way to reach people? I thought, let's create an educational brand. And originally, it wasn't me thinking, let's create an educational brand. It was, let's create a website. Mm. Because, you know, people have websites. Didn't know much about it. <laughs> I did metal and all these hands-on stuff at school. Didn't do anything computer at school. And I was 17. And I thought, let's let's do that. And then over the next three years, I was, you know, doing HSC. And instead of doing study, I was writing down, you know, That's ideas right. for yeah. how to how to, you know, build up this website. And it originally started as an idea to collect information and, and share it. And it's adapted a lot since the very start. But that's where it all started. I just wanted to share content with people, write written stuff, create videos. Well, the videos weren't even the start of it. It was written, written stuff to start with. Yeah, it started off with the articles and wanted to, to get information across through, through yeah. written media. So and it, and it all was triggered by this day, Mitch and I coming up saying, oh, what should we do? Because we didn't want to, you know, work at BCF forever. And I was like, well, I want to have a TV show and teach people. And then I thought, well, how about we start, how about I start a website? And then at work, I remember I made this massive list of all the things we could have called it. And I really still don't know why, but it ended up as social fishing. Yeah. And I think it's very fitting um, because we have, a, a, with that name, it could go anywhere. And that's our plan is to take it big and massive. But social fishing, so it started like that. It launched in 2015. I came up with the idea three years earlier. It took three years of spare time just writing stuff. And I actually built the website myself. So I spent, for those of you who don't know and are interested, I spent those three years learning how to build websites, learning more about writing, learning how to film um, and create content that we come up with a complete guide series in there because mm. we started filming it before we launched uh, and then it launched in 2015 and it just went from there and it's evolved we write articles create content and if you're listening to this and you've been a follower of social fishing for a long time i really appreciate uh your following and i appreciate uh that you support us and I hope you really have gotten valuable content out of what we do and we're going to take it even further we're going to create more content create more videos and build it as big as we can. It's gonna be the biggest freshwater fishing brand in the country. Yeah, that's the aim, that's the goal. Reese is always looking for uh, ways to improve um, the website and the content on the website. So just to make it bigger and better in the years to come. Yeah, that's the goal. And it was great because only last year, I think it was last year we got voted, even the year before, we, an international company does these rankings of all these different 
websites and blogs and media outlets around the around the world the globe and social fishing was actually voted as the best freshwater fishing blog in the world yeah that's very very humbling and very impressive yeah only after a couple of years yeah so and it was all based on quality of content and searchability and that's what we really really want to drive is the fact that you know magazines these days magazines are great like I loved them as a kid but there was none of this other stuff around obviously and that's just time like mm, yeah it was the world wasn't up to that point but the world's at this point now and we want people to be able to get the content whenever they need it yeah at the click of a button you can go online and just yeah. search up the content you you want yeah it's the only way these days really yeah whereas mag like you can't have it all in paper format anymore but that's what we want to do is have it available so that you can even well, I prefer you to go straight to the site, but you jump on Google and search what you want, and if it's on our site, it comes up. Hmm. And that's what we've been working so hard. Uh, that's what we've been working so hard for, like over the last few years, is to really build up that content. So that's how social fishing all started, um, and it really was all about just sharing content. Uh, and the Complete Guide series, for those of you who do or don't know about the Complete Guide series, it's our signature content series video series tutorial series that basically teaches everything that from all of those years we just talked about of learning mm -hmm. and how many years was there so if we look at the start we started at 10. yep so maybe that's around early 2000 2003 2004 so 15 years worth of yeah 15 years of fishing um at what we've learned and we're trying to pass that on to you yeah that's and, right yeah so there's 15 years there we've got all the other guys in the social fishing team, Chris is yeah. older than us. He doesn't, yeah, like, yeah. doesn't like me saying it. He's but the old is, man. Chris is wise. Um, and a lot of that was tri like there is years of trial and error there. And yeah. we could have skipped that. We want to help people skip that. Mm -hmm. And that's what social fishing is about. You can all of that we've condensed into all different mediums on the website and, and one in particular which I really do recommend is the Complete Guide series. Yeah, the Complete Guide series just has everything. It covers every topic um, and every fish, every species, uh, the gear, the tactics. How to lure fish for them. Just everything. Everything, every question you have will be answered in the Complete Guide. Yeah, and that's why we created it because basically as a guide, if you were a fishing, it's basically like going with a fishing guide, but it's a series and video format. And the reason we did that is because we can reach more people through that than we can guiding. Yeah, and you can do it in your spare time at home. If you've got a um, spare half hour, hour, you can put on one of the episodes and you know learn about targeting yellow belly in dams That's or right. how to fish the river. Yeah, so it's there's, there's eight, there's eight series in the complete guide, individual series. One, for example, is Murray Cod and Golden Perch in Rivers. It teaches you about all of what we did as growing up on the river, fishing yeah. all different kinds of rivers. And it gives you different step-by-step -step videos of the gear, then the lures, then the casting techniques, then the trolling techniques, and the same goes for the cod in the dams. So you know how we did that trip to Blaring, didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. This complete guide uh, Murray Cod in Dam series is a five hour series and it is jam packed. Like there is so much content in it and it's not us just catching fish. There's a couple of fish in there, but it's what I used to sit and yell at the TV saying, how did you do that? It's all the hows. Yeah, you go in depth into everything. Everything, any question that you might have will be answered throughout the series. Yeah, and we would have been so much further advanced in understanding what to do, say for our first time visiting the dam. We did catch that big fish first up, that was great. Yeah. But there were, I don't know how many trips after that, we just got nothing. Yeah, there was there was a lot of trips nothing. after that where we were pretty buoyed by our success of that first trip with the big cod. 
that we just went, uh, got donuts. Nothing. Donut, donut. We went to Eildon, struggled. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, now we know exactly how to catch those big fish yeah. in Blaring. Yeah, if we go to Blaring now, the, the confidence um, is quite high that we're going to at least um, latch onto a fish at some yeah. point or get some, uh, a hit and have the chance to actually catch a fish. We know where we want to go and what we want to target and how to do that. Yeah, exactly. Now, with social... So, that's the complete guide. If you're interested, there's heaps on the website. Um, so, with social fishing, uh, if for those of you who want to know, it's going to keep growing. We're mm. going to grow it as big as we can. And if you, with your support, if you support us, you know, you get the complete guide series. Sign up to the email list. You know, keep reading articles. With more support, we can create more content and we can grow it bigger and bigger and bigger and the reason we want to grow up bigger is just to help you just to help you provide you more content we can create more video series that's why we need your support so where to from here well we've started this podcast mm. more video series more articles i talk at plenty of boat shows it can just anywhere from here so where to from here is just unlimited yeah the sky's the limit that's right that's right and there's heaps of exciting new things uh that are going to be happening on the website very soon so keep an eye especially mid-august i've got something very special coming in mid-august i'm not going to share it with you here but just keep listening to the podcast i will talk about it later on now i want to talk about while we've got you here uh our favorite fishing styles Mm. you know because we've got our favorites and they're different and you had success a lot doing using the techniques that you used versus what I used. Now, growing up as kids, we our go-to was spinnerbaits in the river, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, spinnerbaits uh, were the go-to, yes. And, and we both used them. And it was kind of, now I've learned a lot that actually by just throwing spinnerbaits, we limited ourselves. Whereas now by using the right lure for the right situation, we probably would have caught more fish. In saying that, spinnerbaits were great. Mm. But, you know, at certain periods and certain applications, a hard body probably yeah, would have caught more fish. Definitely. And we just thought, nah, we don't use hard bodies because yeah, we can't catch fish on them. Well, we thought spinnerbaits work. Why would we try anything else? But we um, evolved in, with time to realise that there are situations that require a different lure. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Do. And hard bodies and it can be even surface lures. Mm. Hard bodies and spinnerbaits are the two key though, aren't they? Like you can oh, go to the def- river. Definitely. You're covered. You- you're covered, yeah. You're set up for, for a week's worth of fishing with a handful of hard bodies and spinnerbaits. Yeah, that's right. So in a river, our technique is electric motor, got the boat, uh, usually float down with the current yeah. because then you can fish the tops of the logs first. Mm-hmm. And it was basically just, you know, we'd put our casts in the front of the log in all the key areas. Um, and if you're new to fishing listening to this, this is the stuff we show in that video series, but all the key areas, and then you swing around, fish the back. Yeah. Now, we fished a lot in summer, so the Bidgee is an irrigation river, so it was flowing pretty high. Yeah, very high. So we had to pick all the pockets in the backs of underneath, right in against the banks, didn't we? Like, sometimes yeah. we were fishing like, <laughs> like the water was almost lapping over the yeah. bank. Yeah, yep. Um, and then, but in sometimes in summer, they went quiet, and what did we change to? In the middle of the day, we had to change, like at Barrenbed when we camped there, it got hot. The fish weren't sitting up in the shallows on the logs. They were actually sitting down on the logs. And because we had higher water, water was over all. And so we trolled. Yeah, that's right. So we started trolling. We used hard bodies to troll over those kind of logs. Um, When it comes to fishing in the dams, what's your go-to technique? I like casting the big spinnerbaits. I find them um, to be my go-to. I just, I like the feel of a spinnerbait. I like the that I can feel the vibration of the, the blades. So I know I can really um, control my speed. I can feel that vibration. If I want to slow down, I can just 
slow down my wine, I know sort of what I'm putting out in the water. Um, the big heavy ones, I can sink them down nice and quick, get them to the, the depth I want, and just put in a lot of casts, cover a lot of area. And they work any structure, eh? Is yep. it the most snag resistant? Yeah, they're, they're the best. You can throw them into heavy timber, um, rocks, uh, just a grassy bank. Yeah, they're going to cover it all. Yeah. So you'd be confident throwing a spinner. Even in this day and age, you got pressure, you'd still be confident yeah. throwing a spinnerbait. Um, well, I, I just always feel confident uh, throwing a spinnerbait. Yeah. No, that, that and that's they do work, and especially in places like Eildon or places with heavy timber, you're going to catch more fish if your lure is always working rather than snagging every fifth cast Definitely. on something like a plastic. Whereas, say for blaring, I love a soft plastic, super realistic, work really well. I know you like them too, like you've caught good fish on plastics. Oh, I just can't go past it. But then again, if we were fishing Eildon and we tried fishing big plastics down there. Oh works but if you want to be in the timber it doesn't work yeah Ilden just has so much timber in those um, back bays and along the shores there that if you're um, fishing a spinnerbait you're snagging less and i feel like you're working more of the timber you can allow it to sink over logs and then really work that timber whereas with um other lures say maybe a plastic you're snagging up a bit more and you're a bit less reluctant or a bit more reluctant to let it sink. Yeah. Uh, whereas with a spinnerbait, I like to yeah, really be able to work that timber. And basically the difference there is you're three metres closer to mm. the fish or yeah. two metres closer yeah, to you the get, fish. Yeah, you're, you're able to put your lure uh, closer to the fish's face, so I think you're, you're giving yourself more of a chance to... An example up. of that um, just made me think about it. There was a big cut I caught at Blaring. Um, I was actually casting for Golden Perch, and I was throwing those two sets of logs and the first, three sets of logs. The first set of log cast a little crankbait to it, snagged. Yes. Second log cast to it, snagged. I thought this is ridiculous. So every time I snagged, I ruined the log. Like I had to go in and yeah. snag it. Third one, because these logs were just under the water, submerged and it was an overcast day. That's why we were fishing them. I thought I'll change to a spinnerbait. I just put on a standard five eight down spinnerbait. Catches, you know, all fish. Um, we're going for goldens, cast him. And in my head, I still had the snaggy sort of thought. So I didn't let it sink, went it through. Next one, I let it sink. Next time I let it hit, I felt the log and I sort of wound and then kept winding. I think it was the fourth one, I let it sink, wound over the log, felt it brush over the log, then let it sink. So it was like sinking under the log, dragged it over another log, let it sink, bang, I was yeah. on the land of meter cod. Like it was on its nose yeah. and it worked. That's what I really love about spinnerbaits is that you can just fish the contour of the, of the timber, of the structure. Yeah. You can just let it sink and you're pretty safe just to let it sink and you're not going to snag up and you're getting it you know you're getting it into their face yeah exactly now with the big ones what's your preferred blade in the dams i prefer the willow blade um sinks quicker in the dam you're going to be uh fishing deeper water so yep. maybe up to the the five five meter mark is where you want to get down to it sometimes and the the willow uh, cuts through the water better and, and sinks quicker and you can also work it um, a bit quicker as well without it rising up to the top. Because if you want a Colorado quicker, it catches rises. more water and it, it pulls up to the top. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's very, very key. And but in the, in the river? In the river, I like the, the Colorado in the, in the river. Yeah, on, on the slow, in the slower water, yep. um, the Colorado is the go. I want a nice slow flutter. You're gonna, in the river, you're targeting logs where the, you know the fish are going to be sitting yep. and you want the lure to hang in their face longer. So the Colorado has a uh, slower sink and it's yep. going to sit there and then nine out of ten times it's on that drop How uh, good i is find it? yeah the drop's good yeah the drop the drop's great 
That's a, that's the go. Uh, so we're coming to the end, but before we finish up with the very first episode, it's been great. It's mm. been really good. Uh, we've covered so much stuff, and the 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 sky's the limit with the topics in the future. Uh, but I want to talk about what's your favourite catch, your <laughs> all time favourite catch. I know there's so many you could choose from, but I know you you do have one, don't yeah, you? Yeah. So my favourite catch is definitely um, on a very cold winter's morning, June twenty. Uh, 15, I think it was, blaring. 2016. 2016. Yeah, I think it was like the 25th of June. 25th, oh, I don't even know the date of my own favourite capture. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we headed out one morning, maybe about 2.30, 3 o'clock to blaring. This was back and when we didn't do night sessions. Yeah, we didn't really do. In the winter. The winter well, was, no one did it, and it was yeah. always morning and daytime. It was always... Um, morning that people sort of headed out and um, we decided to head out at some ridiculous time. Like, I think we left your place about 2.30 or something and yeah, we fished blaring and I was throwing a um, sort of one and a half ounce. Um, big guts. Mud mine. guts, big guts, uh, spinnerbait and we were fishing in quite shallow water. Yeah, it's my fault. I actually wanted to surface fish so I put yeah. myself ahead yes. of you. <laughs> so Reese has wanted to surface fish because you know, it's, it's dark, the fish going to be in shallow water, feeding off the top. And me being a hardcore uh, spinbait fisherman, I was like, nah, I'm sticking to my big spinnerbait. So I'm throwing it out into two metres of water. <laughs> to keep it off the bottom, I'm cranking this spinnerbait Because back. I was being, you know, <laughs> all about but, me, so in shallow. Yeah, it didn't really matter though, because um, a few hours in, maybe 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, um, something grabbed my lure. At and speed, because you were speed. cranking. I was cranking this spinnerbait and it, it hit at speed. It was the biggest hit I've ever had. And um, I knew it straight away. It was big and I was going off. <laughs> I was celebrating before I even knew what I, what I had. The, the message hadn't even sunk in you yet. You knew it was a PB. Yeah, I thought it would be a PB, yeah. And um, it, um, we got into the boat um, after a bit of a fight and I was pretty astonished. Um, ended up going on 119. It's a cracker. That, yeah, it was a cracker that morning, and that really kicked it off for that winter. I felt. Yep. Um, that winter, there was blaring was pretty much dead. No one fished it during the winter, and we had it all to ourselves. Yeah. And we were heading up every every uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. We caught five meters in three weeks, and that's probably something I want to talk about in a future podcast. Is why that was so good. So there was Chris's big cod. Yeah. My cod, your cod. And there was a couple others. Yeah, that was such a successful winter. Um, I felt like there was just less pressure at the time on blaring. Um, most of the time we went up there, we were the only boat out there for the for the day. Um, and we got a hit every time we got a hit. Yeah. We just, man, we did not stick them. Yeah. But um, what gave us quite um, a bit of uh, confidence was the year earlier. Um, we went out there and we decided to try uh, soft plastics in blaring. Very first time. Very first time. Um, soft plastics for cod. We thought blaring has such good clarity um, that they're really going to pick up on these these soft plastics. So we didn't head out very early. Um, nah, first light. I think we were yeah, in the water. First light. Foggy morning. Foggy morning. And July, freezing cold, yeah. <laughs> glassed out conditions. Oh, that's, sunny. that's what made the day was just the, the glassy conditions. You could just you know float in the boat and just... And we thought, oh, this is good. Like, we might, you know. Yeah, but yeah. now you'd be like, nah, it's glassy and sun, let's go. Um, but yeah, we persisted with this little soft plastic. Squid, it was a squidgy slick rig, yeah. 140 mil in it's, not the drop bear colour, but the green grunner colour. Yeah, green, yeah, that's that green grunner colour. 
um, it's a tiny little plastic now. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little thing, but I'm um, persistent with that, and I think we I landed a uh, exactly on the on the meter mark. That was your first meter. First meter, yeah. Middle of the day. Middle of the day, about yeah, 11 30, 12 o'clock. Sun was the out. Cracker of a fish. Um, and I think I cast this a twig. It was a twig at the time. It was a twig. Underneath, it was a giant. Log. Yeah, the water fell um, over the next few weeks, and um, we saw this huge log emerge. So he was definitely. Yeah. So he's grabbed it as it was falling. Yeah, and that, that was a good fight. So in future podcasts, I actually want to sit down and talk about big winner cod. Um, I'll probably talk about it, you know, with Talos um, coming up because it is winter, we're coming to the end of winter, and I really do want to touch on that because it's a very popular style of fishing now, isn't it? Fishing yeah, I think um, blaring is no no longer nice and quiet on the early winter mornings. I think just about everyone's up there now casting soft plastics, big spinnerbaits, surface lures. And yeah, They're getting success, right. which is great. Yeah, exactly. Now... I've got oh so many big fish that are my favourites. Um, I could, well not big, but just favourites. Like my first cotton fly was pretty cool. Yeah. It was like a fifty-five centimetre fish. Um, so many cool stories. I love floating the river. You know, camping on the river, catching heaps of fish in clear water. That's always great fun. But couldn't go past my PB, which is at meter thirty. Uh, it was August. Last weekend for the year, for 2015, I knew I was going to get one. I dropped four big <laughs> ones. Wanted to surface fish this one spot. We'd never really heard about people surface fishing in Blaring before. Flat grassy bank. Moon was sort of poking out between the clouds. I found this little creek coming out, and I knew there was two twiggy trees. I knew they were there, and I couldn't find them in the dark. And I'm looking around, and I was almost on top of them. I'm like, oh, there they are. So I backed out, put a cast between it. Very next cast, I've never heard such an explosion in my life like it was like someone had dropped a car in the water like it was a massive boof it was a 175 gobsmack leviathan surface lure paddled bang and hooked up and you can hook sometimes you hook a metery right and you can feel it and when it sort of stops you can still bring it to you it was like pulling up a plug like it was <laughs> like of the dam like it was that solid and the weight was just, it didn't do much. We were only in a metre of water and it was sort of kicking around, shaking its head and it had, took one big run, but it, it took off towards the, I was fighting it, right? So I was fighting it, fighting it. And then it come up, after a bit of a fight, it come up beside the boat. It was like a whale. And then it swam around the electric motor. Oh no. It swam around, remember? I swam around the electric motor and I thought, oh no. And I free spooled it. Oh, went nightmare. down there, untangled it. You never free spool. Clicked it in the gear, wound it up, and he was back at the tree. And I had to pull him away from the tree. And somehow I still had him. And he was only pinned by one treble on like a tiny bit of skin. Don't know how I landed it, but it was one of those ones when you got him on the surface, you can't even move him. Like your rod yeah. does nothing. You go left and right. And does it was a meter thirty. I jumped in the water. It was seven and a half degrees. It's the Unreal. coldest I've seen. Blaring water. It was freezing, but that was. Yeah. <laughs> such a such a catch and yeah. they're in there I know they're bigger Talos caught a 136 that thing was a giant but I reckon and I know Dave Carter um, a local Wagga bloke years ago caught a 149 so I reckon they're bigger in there eh? oh they've got to be there's got to be some absolute monsters in there what do you reckon 1.6 or you don't oh I think there's that, there's probably ones in that between the 150 up to 160 mark for sure. Yeah, so another 149. So there's got to be some more 150s in there. Oh yeah, there's the quality of the the feed up there. I think must be incredible because they grow at such a great rate. And yes, 
there's got to be some monsters in there. So I think people food. would be surprised just to see what comes out of there. <laughs> One day, we'll keep trying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You've got to persist. We'll keep trying. It's hard enough just to catch a fish out of there, yeah. but they're all worth it. They're all worth it. Now, that brings us to the end of the episode. That was really good. Thanks for joining me on the very first. Yeah, Thanks no for coming worries. up with the idea. Yeah, no worries. Hopefully, uh, everyone um, enjoys it, and um, I'm really looking forward to, to see where the podcast goes in the future. Yeah, yeah. We'll do plenty of stuff. If you've got any ideas for us, let us know. We might even do a trip out on the river and do a, a podcast sitting around the campfire and talking about yeah. how the day went. We're just going to talk about techniques. This one here was more about getting to know, you know, a bit more about social fishing and Jack and yeah. I and a few stories. Uh, but as it goes on, we'll get in depth and talk about techniques like, you know, targeting those big cod in the dams in winter, diff using different techniques on the rivers. We might even talk about, you know, all different kinds of stuff, lure colours, you know, even the hooks, an upgrading hook. There's so many things we can talk about. Waterways. Yeah. And I'm going to interview plenty of people. I'm going to interview some really big names out there and talk about what makes them tick and how they find success. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting. I've seen the list of uh, people lined up to do the interviews and um, I'm yeah, looking really forward to hearing those. Yes, it's going to be great. So thanks for that, Jack. I really appreciate it. I really hope you guys enjoyed. Like I said at the start of the episode, um, jump on all the podcast apps and give them a review straight away because the more reviews we get straight up, uh, the better. Send us emails, send us messages, um, let us know what you want to hear and we've got some exciting things coming up. So that's episode one done. Beauty. Thanks, Jack. No Appreciate worries. it, buddy. Catch you later.